the reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. Yes, he is Todd Vandenberg. I'm still Rob Steele, as opposed to last week when we were other people, because it was the April Fool's edition. It was. If, if you missed it, go back, listen. It was fun. Mothra. Save Mothra. Um, <laughs> I had been saving that for months. Okay, so let's start off with some news out of the DC Comics universe, because we've been trying to talk about it in pre-pro. Hi, Ted. <clears throat> you to it this week haha um no we've been trying to talk about it and we got, no we're saving it for the show all right fine let's start the show then let's start it start off with some news out of the black adam movie which has <clears throat> some casting news that i kind of like and he for those of you who can't see this and that would be all of you todd is playing with the uh background on his camera and putting stuff in front of him so he completely disappears it's a predator cloaking device Indeed. oh that's how it works it is very cool so anyway the casting movie from the black adam <clears throat> casting black adam movie cast black movie adams anyways <laughs> casting news from the black adam movie i'll be doing editing of this show <laughs> pierce brosnan has been cast as dr fate part of me likes it Part of me wants Odette Fear to come back and do it. Because he did a really good job of it in the uh, in the Justice League series. I'm okay. thinking. Agreed. I agree with you. But but I also do really like Pierce Brosnan doing it. And it just kind of depends who, which Dr. Fate are we getting? I mean, that's true. Different people have worn the helmet of Naboo. So, yeah, I'm assuming that this will be an, one of the appropriate characters for Pierce Brosnan. But I, I do really like the casting of Pierce Brosnan. I mean, he's he's my third favorite Bond. He's one of the sillier Bonds. But he's quite a fine actor outside of the, the Bond realm. So I think this is nice. And it's also cool. It's like, oh, okay. You don't have to be 35 and ultra fit to be in a superhero movie. Also kind of a cool thing to do that, too. So... Very, I think it's very interesting casting. I think it fits. It works. Yep. Um, other casting news out of the DC Universe. We got a trailer for the second Suicide Squad movie. And it was revealed that while he is not playing the body of King Shark, the voice of King Shark should sound very familiar because it's Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> And I think that they're they're finally playing it up. He is playing it up because for years we've had all the parodies of Sylvester Stallone doing kind of a dopey, a dopey voice. He's got kind of a, a the voice that sounds like it could go with somebody who's dopey. Yeah, they exaggerate his his rocky voice, and, and that's exactly what they did in this. And right. and um, <clears throat> uh, we also got some plot bits out of the out of the trailer. In that we know that one of the big bad guys of this apparently is Starro. Which is awesome. I'm on the fence about it. I mean, Starro is a really bizarre character, but yeah. it's a very cool callback because that is the very first, as, as Rob knows, and hopefully a lot of our listeners know, that is the first villain that ever fought the Justice League. So. Yeah. It's, it's a nice callback to that. So Zack Snyder will show up. No, I'm. I, <laughs> I hope I'm kidding. 
it actually looks like a fun movie. It's just going to be one of those. Oh, they made one of these in my head. It could be better. I'm hoping it is better. Uh, it looks uh, like, and of course, trailers are hard to tell just from trailers, but it looks like yeah. a big improvement on the first Suicide Squad attempt. And probably because James Gunn's involved. Like, could as be. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. One of the few DC things I'm looking forward to. Well, you can't be looking forward to the new gods or, well, they're, they're, they called it the Trench movie. Yep. Uh, both of which have been canceled. I, for me, there's a there's an issue with the Trench movie, which I have been told is a spinoff of Aquaman, but it should be Aquaman 2, shouldn't it? Because they didn't really do that much. Maybe I need to go back and watch Aquaman again. Well, the trench was going to be because James Wan did Aquaman and he's his whole field is horror. So I was like, okay, now I'm going to go do the trench. So it'd be much more horror tinged. And it's an interesting spinoff idea. But considering DC has a hard time doing a good job with their uh, main films, maybe a spinoff would been what they should have gone with, but it was pretty far afield. You can kind of see why they have set it aside. Because I mean, yeah, they, they can come back, but yeah, they've 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 not postponed them. They've canceled them, but they made it very clear that if they return to those properties, they are going to use the same directors because it's not like they're unhappy with what was going on with their progress on apparently i think they've just decided yeah we need to get our house straight before we worry about you know these these side issues although new gods isn't exactly a side issue this would have been a very good um move to the next level but i'm i'm happier to hear that this is canceled than the trench i was i probably wouldn't have i would have watched the trench because of this show but that's probably the only reason i would have watched it yeah, same here but New Gods? <sighs> I can see them canceling it because of the Snyder Cut, actually. And I can see so, them canceling it because they never should have hired the director they hired. Oh, come on. She has the potential for doing... She does, she's done good stuff. She's done amazing stuff, except uh, for the one film that goes on to, into this genre, which is an utter piece of garbage. Wrinkling Time? Yeah. That it, movie is horrifically bad. It was not good. Everything else <clears throat> she's done has been fantastic. So why would you say, DuVernay, I was like, oh my gosh, your work is wonderful. You do amazing films. Except for that thing, Wrinkling Time, which is a fantasy. So we're going to have you do a superhero fantasy. It's like, All right, what are you doing? Well, it's because <clears throat> Oprah Winfrey was so big in that movie, and they're having her play Dark Souls. <laughs> That's all I've been able to come up with so far. I actually think that they had designed Darkseid and a lot of the other new gods that we got in the Snyder Cut. And they were so drastically different. They didn't want to have the two movies next to each other. And people would go, why do these characters look so much different than they did the last time we saw them? So there's I I can see there being, you know, putting in the the gap. Yeah, I can I can see Like I said, I can't see their a chant, their concept of giving new gods to her to begin with because she was terrible. She did an awful job with Wrinkle in Time. 
and the trench is like so that's <laughs> so far afield. Yeah, get your main stuff straight first before you worry about doing horror spinoffs. I mean, both of these could have been horrific car crash movies. Now, um, I, have, I have a feeling that that's probably what really is going on is, you know, they saw the progress so far and it's like, mm, yeah, let's not go that route. But, you and, know, <clears throat> speaking of car crashes, and I thought this was very interesting, there was a study done um, by the UK's car scrap comparison website <laughs> about which uh, actors you should never get in a car with <laughs> based on the number of cars they have wrecked in movies. Now, at the top of the list, and this should come as no surprise considering the Fast and Furious movies, yeah. never get in a car with Vin Diesel. That would make sense. Uh, he, is, he is considered the most dangerous driver on screen, uh, wrecking, having been in 61 wrecked cars, 57 of those taking place while he was behind the wheel. <laughs> now, and this comes ahead, just ahead. Don't get in a spaceship either. <clears throat> well, picky, picky. Um, this comes just ahead of Bruce Willis, who was in sex, second place with 60 cars, although... Wow. Bruce was only behind the wheel of 35 of them. Aww. So let's see. Other actors making the list. And I thought this was, this amused me. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, 52 cars wrecked, 30 while driving. Matt Damon, 35 and 11. Keanu, 30 and 21. Tom Hardy had the best ratio here of 29 to 2. Uh, Daniel Craig, 24-20, Nicolas Cage, 22-12, and Tom Cruise, 19-12. Uh, let's see, tr uh, the movies that were listed with the most vehicular carnage, strangely, were not the, the most recent Mad Max movie. It was Transformers, The Dark of the Moon, and The Matrix Reloaded. Ah, that would make sense. I get the second one. I don't even... I remember that I have watched The Dark of the Moon, hoping that there would be Pink Floyd references, and there weren't. And that is the extent of what I remember of that movie. Yeah, I have no idea if I've seen Transformers Dark of the Moon because they <clears throat> all blend in so horribly. Uh, let's see. Other things we have this week. The Peacock Network. I thought this was interesting, just in the sheer volume of what they're trying to do. Uh, the Peacock Network did acquire the WWE Network, so if you had that and you can't find it anymore, it's over on Peacock, and apparently your subscription transfer is over, even though it's now a lot cheaper. But technically, you're getting less stuff because Peacock is editing offensive content out of the WWE Network stuff, which means they've got... Well, and we know <laughs> we know it's an intern somewhere who has to watch over 17,000 hours. That's a lot of stuff. That is a lot of stuff. And go, all right, there's something that needs to be edited. I can't stay awake anymore. Um, they've already edited some... Uh, some things that do make sense. They have they've gotten rid of the Roddy Piper with half blackface thing that he did back in nineteen what eighty. Good idea. Something like that. Um, but no word yet on the the Katie Vick sequence, which 
if I, I'll describe this very briefly and then move quickly to the next subject. Uh, it was a necrophilia scene that they recreated. It didn't work well. Not that it can work well ever anyway, but... I was thinking, um, really? It didn't work well? I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> Let's go to something that probably should work well, but there's no news about it, really. They've, they've announced that Russell Crowe is going to be in Thor, Love and Thunder. And that's all they've told us. Yep. He's in the movie, yippee yay hui I mean, it's being shot in Australia. He lives there. So, hey, why not go? Hey, Russ, you want to come over and be in our film? I suspect he's playing himself. <laughs> I think he's going to play uh, Odin's brother. Steve. Yeah. It could happen. Or, or Jor-El. I mean, e- either way. <laughs> Ah, jeez. So, uh, yeah, there's that, and we know nothing about it. More details as they become available. Um, Anyway, one of the movies that we're going to be talking about shortly and reviewing because it came out this week and it's really big is the Godzilla vs. Kong movie. We're not getting there yet because there's a news story and a different review first. But Adam Wingard, who is the director of the... Uh, of Kongzilla, which is what I'm calling the film, and you can't stop me. Um, he's announced that he's also directing something for Warner Brothers called the Thundercats movie. Now, there's no word yet on whether this is a live-action thing, a CG thing, a just straight-on animated thing. I didn't even realize that people were still interested in Thundercats because it it was only around, it wasn't around for that long. Um, like three years back in the eighties, they tried rebooting it twice in, uh, what the early two thousands. Neither of those lasted a season, but I don't know. Any comments on the Thundercats? Never a fan. Not, not because it was bad, just not in my wheelhouse when it was out. Um, but, I'm as as uh, to my knowledge, it does have a, a certain cult following, like a pretty big cult following, and you know who knows. <clears throat> it had some really great ideas for some good guys, but the bad guys were all dorks. It's kind of like Justice League versus the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. I mean that that's how it seemed to me, and it. Oh, I would love to see that because those guys <laughs> need to be down. Um, <clears throat> well, you know. I, I doubt anyone's going to cry if he improves the villains. I I know I won't. <laughs> it has potential <laughs> to be a huge hit. It also has potential to be a disaster, but not too many people would care. Well, before we get to his big movie, and see, yeah, that's kind of a pun. Uh, you mentioned you watched something called Battered Bastards of Baseball, which in my head sounds like Fried Scottish orphans take up America's former pastime. I don't know if that's accurate or not. It could be Real Housewives of Major League Baseball. I that, that wasn't quite quite close to what it was, but yeah. Okay. This is <laughs> it is a documentary about a an independent baseball team. If if you don't know, baseball minor leagues are organized as, and they're all basically chattel of the minor of the major league teams. 
they all belong to them and they call up players whenever they want them and they send players down and blah, 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 blah. Well, a certain gentleman in the 70s, a fellow by the name of Bing Russell, and the name is kind of important because he was a big, wasn't a big TV star, but he was, he was on TV a lot. Like he was on Bonanza for hundreds and hundreds of episodes. Literally, he was on Bonanza, lots of Western movies, all this kind of stuff. Um, he's probably better known for his son, who is a gentleman named Kurt. So, Kurt Russell. Wow. Son <clears throat> Bing Russell. And Kurt Russell appears in this talking about his dad. And he just constantly talks, refers to him as Bing rather than dad, which is interesting. But uh, I guess it's one of those California things. But Bing Russell was a huge fan of baseball growing up. He even wound up being a bat boy for the Yankees and developed something of a friendship with uh, one of the stars. And I was going to say left, Lefty Gomez. I was going to say Lefty Grove. And it's like, wrong Lefty. But, uh, and he even Close. played baseball and was decent enough, but got injured and had to kind of give it up and went, decided to go west and get into acting and wound up as a. Uh, quite successful actor as his uh, as Kurt says and Kurt has interviewed quite a bit for this he referred to him as as a plumber actor which I've never heard the term before and he describes a plumber actor as someone who just works they go to work they do their job they play their role they go to work they're always working and he and Russell views that as like just a tremendous accomplishment to be able to continue to be working as an actor. And that's what you do. And that's your job. You just go to work and you do your best, et cetera, et cetera. So a blue collar actor, you know, a character, this guy was had thousands, literally thousands of roles, 700 appearances alone, just in Bonanza. Anyway, so he had some money and he thought, you know what? I kind of want to have a baseball team. Just, when Bonanza was canceled, he was just kind of, okay, I got nothing to do. I think I'll go back to my first love. He goes up to Portland, Oregon, and finds out that it costs a whopping $500 for a franchise fee Wow! in, in that league and starts a team. And, of course, but he's not affiliated with any major league teams. So how do you get players? Puts an ad in the Sporting News. Tryouts, open tryouts. They have 500 people show up for the tryouts. And he hires a manager, and this guy just, the guy was another, a similar story to him, that guy who had played ball and got hurt and had to quit. And he's got his manager. He hires a general manager, a 22 year old young woman who kind of liked baseball, but was more just a, a, had a smart mind for business and marketing. And there's the team. So the Portland Mavericks, the organization had taken, Portland had had a major league uh, affiliate before, and they moved the team because attendance wasn't that great, and that's what happens a lot. And if you live in a smaller town, you know that happens. You lose your teams. So he thought, so, oh, Portland, pretty big towns. Like, they're a great opportunity. Let's put a team in. And... Almost immediately, they developed into a very successful team. There's lots of footage from uh, games. This is, again, this was in 73. This is when he first had this. And they never won the uh, league championship. 
but they had the best record a couple times. Uh, their very first game, very first game, dude that no one's ever heard of threw a no-hitter. No one even realized it until the game was over. And it was like, And they kind of looked at the scoreboard and they said, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> these, these are just a bunch of just a bunch of guys who were out there to have fun. I mean, these are guys who had been in the migraine system and washed out. These are people who never made it, but you know, they all love to play for baseball. They all love to play baseball. And the way Kurt Russell tells it, and he's probably in the movie for like 20 minutes, just interviews with him interspersed all throughout it, that his dad had a really sharp mind for baseball. And Russell was played baseball a lot. He played on the Mavericks, but he was in the minor leagues for quite a bit. He was a pretty good player, too. But he just said that his dad was an excellent judge of talent. And the fact that this team was so successful, just a bunch of ragtag, oh, answer and ad people, uh, testifies that, yeah, he really did know he was a really good judge of, uh, of ball players. But it, it's just a, such a cool, lots of interviews with former players. There are interviews with uh, Bing Russell's wife, just about, you know, what this situation was, you know, being the wife of an actor. Now I'm the wife of a baseball owner, which is really strange, <laughs> of a minor league team. Uh, interviews with a, with a lot of the players. Interviews with a kid who is a bat boy who wound up being Todd Field, who is a pretty successful director in the bedroom, which is an awesome movie, not easy to watch, but uh, just super interesting to watch these guys relive this, uh, how important this was to them. Uh, matter of fact, Jim Bouton, of course, wrote Ball Four, and he kind of was, he kind of lost a little bit off uh, of his talent just a little bit because he got older and then he was basically blackballed by baseball because they weren't too thrilled that someone wrote a story about, oh, people are doing greenies and having sex on the bus. This is great. We weren't supposed to say those things. Well, he decided he wanted to get back into the game. This is the team that he first went to to get back into the game. Jim Bouton's got back initially with the Portland Mavericks and then eventually made his way back to the major leagues and played with the Braves. But it's just a super fun, fascinating story. So uh, if you like baseball at all, you would love this story. And the title actually comes from uh, Bouton, who that's how he referred to this team as the battered bastards of baseball, because all of these guys had been at one point or another had been had lost their gig with whatever team. They just they apparently weren't good enough. And yet. Clearly they were, at least, and again, this is single A level, but, you know, these guys were, had pretty much been rejected from, from the uh, system and they all came back and they all played well enough to be really damn good ball players, at least again at single A, but they, they set attendance records um, for, again, for single A, but they actually set attendance records for single A throughout the entire system, they said attendance. That's records. a huge system too. Yeah, that is huge. That's hundreds of teams back then. Um, and as like Russell says, you know, to, to him, the whole thing is just kind of a love story to baseball itself. He said back, uh, 
back in the day, there were there were like 250 towns that had their own clubs, and there were dozens of independent teams. Well, basically, because of him creating this, there are independent teams now. Not too many, but there are still some independent teams out there. So I for one, they died, yeah. but I worked for one. <laughs> You know, and that's it's so this is this is a love story to independence and and determination and especially to baseball. And there's there's quite a bit of baseball footage in it. So I really, really enjoyed the battered base bastards of baseball. And it is on. What is it on when Netflix? Yes, it's on Netflix. So highly recommend that. Uh, The tagline is the one team that had a pair. Yeah, so there you go. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, our other movie that we've got this week, it had a pair. Of, of kai, actually, it had three kai, kaiju. Is that the right word? That's the right word. Oh, I know you've been looking forward to this movie. I have been looking forward to the train wreck that I expected this movie to be, and <laughs> I was somewhat disappointed to find out that it, it wasn't really, but at the same time... <laughs> I suspect your review of this is going to be much more positive because I spent a lot of time looking at this going, all right, they screwed that up. Yeah, that can't work. I'm pretty sure I know which parts you're talking about, too. <laughs> there, There's a lot of stuff in Kongzilla, which should have been the name of the movie. Kongzilla would have been a good name. <clears throat> um, see, the thing is, I'm, I'm not sure I should be the one to start this off because I only... No, should be. I only peripherally remember the new King Kong or either of the new Godzillas. So starting this off for me was a bit weird because you get Kong who has been captured and he's living in a holodeck. Really? Basically. Okay. And then there's uh, Godzilla who, and th- this is for me where, where you kind of started losing me on the storyline. There's something in the center of the earth that's a big power source for the kaiju. Correct. Got kaiju being big monstery things, right? Um, but Godzilla protects people from it, and he detected some of it in Florida, Pensacola. which I think is where they where he attacked first. Correct. Except when he attacked there, one of the first things they did was say. The power source isn't there. It's in Hong Kong. Well, what he didn't detect, he didn't detect the power source. He detected... uh, The people behind the power source? He detected the presence of what they were working on in Pensacola, which turns out to be the third kaiju in the film. Because they've been working on this for 10 years. Yeah. Okay, because to me, it made it seem like he's after the power source. And I'm like, the power source isn't there. Yeah. Okay, so that see that's one thing, I guess. Um, but they uh, the guy in charge of the corporation who's doing the thing, building the new kaiju. Okay, whatever. He's basically Elon Musk. He isn't, but he is an e- e- evil, evil, evil Elon yeah, Musk, as opposed to just regular evil Musk. Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, there's a hole in Antarctica that leads to the power source. So let's go pick up Kong. And put him on a boat. Really? You put him on a boat and we're going to sail him to Antarctica. Why are you sailing him to Antarctica? Because 
what happened, you put him on the boat, they're going there, he gets attacked by Godzilla. Spoilers, apparently, in this are, are going to happen, sorry. Um, but it's a Godzilla movie. That's You'll get over it. And everybody knows they're going to fight, so if that's a spoiler... <laughs> wow. Right. <laughs> they put him on the boat. The boat is attacked by Godzilla. It doesn't work very well. Most of the boats are smashed. I'm sure the U.S. government is not happy that several battleships got taken out. Yeah, probably not happy about that. So, <clears throat> so then they decide, well, we've got an easier way of getting him there and hook him up to some planes and helicopters and fly him there. Why are you not flying him there in the first place? It would have saved you a bunch of boats. Yeah, but then you don't have the first fight. And? Movie logic. <laughs> this, is, this is movie logic. It, it, I'm watching this going, Gandalf, where are the eagles? <laughs> right. Come on. There's nothing stopping you from flying him there. You'd get there faster. You'd save a bunch of boats. But no, there's movie logic. Fine. Yeah. Um. Or you know what? I'm sure he's also got a Hyperloop train like he has that connects the fl- connects Florida to Hong Kong underground. The one that Enola Holmes and the little pudgy kid. Not, not big enough for Kong, though. I'm sure he's got one somewhere. Um, and I've just really got notes for this because it, it gets kind of funky. I liked the deaf girl with Kong. Did, had she been in this before? No, she had not. And that's okay. a, that's one of the huge improvements. There are not a lot of improvements. To me, that's one of the huge improvements because there's always this creepy sexual subtext when Kong is attracted to the cute blonde woman, which is in every other Kong movie. Uh, ever, yes. But not in this because this <laughs> is much more of a familial protective situation, which is excellent. And it just occurred to me, are there any blonde women in this movie? Probably not. See, there we go. That's why it didn't happen. Feyre is extremely pissed from the grave. Now, you see, here, here's another thing that uh, my other Lord of the Rings reference. When they get Kong to the hole that goes to the center of the earth where everything is, there's so many problems I have with this scene. Because they they send him into the cave and then he falls down a hole and he's constantly falling and they're following him in an anti-gravity space car because who doesn't have those right okay that's why of elon musk i'm not buying the whole whole thing because he falls down that and my first thought is where's the bell (laughs) rock but uh one of the things they say is well when we get there gravity is going to invert except it didn't did you notice that it just there's a hole and then there's a gap and then there's another earth in the middle or that's really kind of small, but the gravity is fine. And they just boom and they fall on the middle bit. Now, the inside of the earth sphere. Yes, you can jump and it'll invert back up there, but they just kind of blew through it the first time after passing through a wormhole because that special effect they used was a wormhole in everything else they've ever used that special effect in. Very Except true. when they go back up the hole, it's not there. Also true. Huh? Where did, but, but you had a big special effect that... Just, they, blew their, they blew the budget on the first one. They didn't have enough money to do the second one. I can do this one on the computer I've got. <laughs> Don't give me this budget crap. <laughs> 
I can make that special effect. Yeah. That, so anyway, I did think of something interesting because once they got to the middle of the earth, there's the whole, uh, there's kaiju that still exist in dinosaurs and it's a big jungle. And I did look this up. Both King Kong and Godzilla were at least at one point owned by Marvel comics. And I thought, Oh look, it's the savage land. <laughs> there you go. See, we're going to tie all these movies together and eventually we'll have the Avengers versus Kong. Um, but anyway, they go down to the center of the earth to get their anti-gravity unobtainium or whatever they wanted to, they never gave it a name, did it? Don't Just believe it did. An energy source. An yeah, energy whatever. source. But they wanted it so they could power their big Mecha Godzilla, which, when it, when Mecha Godzilla screamed, did it not sound like a hockey horn? You know, the kind they have that goes <laughs> off when they score a goal. It sounded like a hockey horn being deflated. Might have been. Uh, geez. So, anyway. Um, I did have questions about it. Like, who built this big temple in the middle of the Earth? Because it wasn't done by Kong or Godzilla or any of the other things. Uh, and the, the big company, statue of the Kong that's down there also. Yeah. The, uh, the company that... Uh, that had Kong and is building Mechagodzilla. Apex. Apex. Their security sucks. Their security is not very, is somewhat lax, yes. I mean, if if uh, Enola Holmes just walks in, basically, with, with her friends Pudge and whatever the, the other guy, the podcast, Pudge and Podcaster. Pudge and Did Pudge. they have names? I'm sure they did. Do I remember them? No. You know, you know why? Because it doesn't matter. Does not matter. And that, you'll notice I'm calling her Enola Holmes because I cannot remember her character's name. And I never watched Stranger Things. That's the only thing I know. I don't even remember the actress's name. I know it's uh, uh, Philip Michael like, Thomas kind of thing. Millie Bobby Brown is the yeah, actress. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Enola Holmes. Um, geez. So anyway, I am actually... Go, making fun of a lot of the stuff, a lot of little holes that you can pick up in this. Oh, there are a lot there, there because there's a lot. Like how did how did Enola Holmes' dad get to Hong Kong from New York so quickly without using the hyperloop? Because he's got his own private wormhole, would be my guess. Okay, whatever. Um, but yeah, that and and I know people are going to be upset by the scenes in China because there's all these Asian people. There's no white people, no black people. They're all Asian. <laughs> it's, it's all politically incorrect. No, it's not. It's it's Hong Kong. It's supposed to have lots of Chinese people in it. They would have a lot of people in, from Hong Kong in Hong Kong. I'm just saying. But I, you know, I'm making fun of this movie, and you know what? <clears throat> it was fun, and I kind of liked it. So ignore all the plot holes of, of, of which there are plenty. I did notice they stole quite a bit from the Rampage movie. Which they, I had, you know. Or did the Rampage movie steal it from? It could be. Yeah. The Rampage movie stole a lot, which is fine. I mean, they stole a Rampage game is, is an homage to kaiju movies. Exactly. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, I pick a lot of holes in it, but it, it it was actually a fun movie. It wasn't bad. They were 
Although my my one thing that I can most of this is just movie logic that I will forgive. I will not forgive the movie logic that happens at the end of the movie where Enola Holmes if Enola Holmes finds her dad in China. No. No, I'm sorry. There's millions of people, well, actually, fewer millions. Uh, there was, the population of Hong Kong is seven and a half million, and at least two million of them are dead after this. I see you holding your phone, but I don't know what, uh, I should look can, at my can, phone. Can you not no, find someone's location on a phone? She did not have her phone. She lost it earlier in the film. Ah. See? See? I'd caught that bit. <laughs> no, they're just wandering around Hong Kong. That's all completely screwed up after this three kaiju tag team save save Mothra should have been a line. I thought I was kidding. <laughs> but I swear it was in here somewhere. Mothra did not play into this one. That's not the point. <laughs> so, this yeah. It does have a lot of holes in it and other than the little girl who is Kong's uh, friend and agent basically <laughs> none of the people need, none of the people even need to be in this film they're all plot devices oh absolutely which, which speaks well of this because too often they spend too much time dealing with the people the director Adam Wingard said said that people they don't people aren't going to see this movie to watch the people they're going to see monsters fight so we're going to have monsters fight which makes perfect sense i, I don't care about character development in this kind of movie uh, no you shouldn't so there isn't any character development in this movie the the podcaster guy he's funny he, he's he puts in some comic relief which is nice um they have some really good actors in here who basically don't have to do anything uh, Alexander Skarsgård, I mean, excellent actor, and he's he's he he gets the the lead credit, so he is the most important character, I guess, as far as that goes. He is the researcher who helps evil Elon Musk find the way down into the Hollow Earth. All the rest of this happy stuff. He uh, you know magically knows how to pilot one of these vehicles that he's never seen before until he took the ride down, but he manages to pilot on the way back up, which is hilarious. Uh, I don't know, maybe they have auto drive, you know, just like uh, Tesla cars. Well, so yeah, he hooked um, it to Google. There's there's tons of really stupid plot devices in here that make no sense. But what it boils down to is: Are the fights good? The fights are excellent. Oh, Do we yeah. have to wait a long time to see the monsters? Ten minutes and twelve seconds into the movie, including the moment the credits start rolling, we see Godzilla. So, this movie brings you the kaiju, and a lot of them, and there's a lot of fights. There's a lot of kaiju, like you mentioned. There's some. There's there's the these these horrific flying bat creatures which are down there, which Kong fights in the Hollow Earth. There are. Uh, there's these weird crabs that are scuttling along, and what I'm guessing is kind of a shout-out to Anguirus, who is the second Toho <gasps> monster ever. Who jumps That's up. where the Trench movie went. Yeah, it was stolen by the Godzilla Kong movie. <laughs> so, tons of monsters. The effects are excellent. Uh, they look Actually, more that's something my daughter said when we watched this, because, you know, 
<clears throat> HBO Max, allowed to watch it at home. Uh, yeah. She said that uh, Godzilla and Kong and Mechazilla looked more real than Enola Holmes and any of her friends. <laughs> Quite true. They definitely look more real than Darkseid. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, the, the fact that these gigantic creatures, 300 feet tall or whatever, however tall they are in this iteration, look more realistic than characters in Justice League it is a, a testament to this film. And again, a shout out to how horribly bad the effects were in that movie. That's just that's still just as like it's uncalled slight. for. It's uncalled for to the, the fact they didn't get much better from from the crappy trailers we saw a year ago. That's pretty bad. But the fight scenes are excellent. The logic of the monsters fighting is excellent. The fact that Kong figured out, okay, how's Kong going to battle a creature with atomic breath? They resolved that issue. Made sense how that worked out. Kong is... a lightsaber, kind of. Kind of. Kong is smarter, which makes sense. Kong knows sign language, which makes sense because gorillas can learn sign language. So... The bigger no, aspect can't, can't of it, itty arms. Yeah, he doesn't have itty bitty arms in this one. Well, yeah. I know. I think the arms are longer in this one than in any of the others yet. And Godzilla does a couple things in, in this movie that we hadn't seen before. He runs on all fours. Never seen that in a Godzilla movie. He runs. Never seen that in a Godzilla movie. Not that I recall. I'm not saying he hasn't. But I don't he, know. He had that big tail slide thing in that one movie. Yeah, yeah, Does that yeah, count? No. Where he's doing a drop kick and just kind of drags his tail along behind him? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he kind of <laughs> coasts and uses his, his tail as a scooter. That one's a little insane. But it, interesting that... So he's trying to establish dominance over Kong. And then... But that's good enough. But when he sees Mechagodzilla, that's when he runs. He didn't run towards Kong. It's like clearly he's really pissed off when he sees Mechagodzilla because Mechagodzilla is kind of a ripoff of him, and I guess he recognizes that. Plus, Mechagodzilla has DNA from one of the other kaiju, which were in other movies, so I think that ultra, ultra pissed him off too. But the fight scenes are excellent. The, the movie logic, yeah, there's tons of plot holes in this thing. The, the characters might as well not be there, which, frankly, I'm glad because I don't care about the internal dialogue of any of these characters. I'm glad we didn't see it. I, I am glad that we did. <clears throat> I will say that there are some very satisfying deaths in this movie. There are some very satisfying deaths. Because there are some characters you're not going to like and don't worry about them. Yeah. They'll, they'll get it. And, and they, they, they get it. And there are... Several tense moments. If you have young kids, there are going to be some intense moments in, in this film that they'll probably have nightmares and they'll probably have nightmares for the rest of their lives from this. So if they're if you have like kids that are five or six, yeah, I don't know about that. But you know, that's something I didn't even notice. What was this film rated? Yeah, I don't know. I'm guessing PG thirteen. Um, yeah, oh, PG thirteen. Yeah. One of the things too about this film runtime. Hour and 53 minutes, and probably six or seven minutes of that is credits. Yeah. So nice, compact. It didn't need to be a two and a half hour long. It didn't need to be a four hour long film. So, yeah. Uh, 
for for what this is a monster movie this is a great movie is it a great film uh, no <laughs> godzilla the original godzilla is a great film the original king kong is a great film shin godzilla the most recent japanese version is a great film this is a really fun movie i mean mission accomplished it's like i don't see what anyone would have wanted out of this and can really be dissatisfied uh ha- if it had like some depth to it and some message like Shin Godzilla does or the original Godzilla bonus. That would have been terrific, but it's not disappointing. Like you said, you expected a train wreck. Oh yeah. I I didn't expect one, but I was afraid of it. Well, you mean it's because Daniel Craig and Bruce Willis and Vin Diesel were not in this movie. So there was nothing for them to crash. (laughs) True. So this movie was really fun it is at the theaters if it's safe for you to go to the theaters go see it at the theaters because this is a kind of movie you definitely want to see at the theaters but it's on right. HBO max so if it's a risk for you stay home watch this because this is a super fun movie hey you almost ended the show that's yeah my I, I, I stopped <laughs> you i took the i took the pre-pro ted thing from you this week you know what fine uh, we got two movies for you to watch this week: Battered Bastards of Baseball and Godzilla. Is it Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong? I didn't pay Godzilla. any attention to it's it. Godzilla versus Kong. Kongzilla. Because the first right. one, King Kong versus Godzilla, which is fun in a different way. Like, oh my god, this is horrifically stupid, but it's fun. Yeah. And this is Godzilla versus Kong. Either way, two good movies for you to watch. You can watch them both at home. So if you've got COVID, stay home. If you don't. Wear a mask and stay home. Either way, here's some movies. Stay home and watch them. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am very disappointed. Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone up the ending but i don't care <laughs>